Our lifespan is increasing, but what about our health span, the portion of our lives in which we're healthy? Extend your health span with SRW, Science Research Wellness. SRW is a nutraceutical company that curates the latest science and research to formulate supplements designed to support the structure, function, and processes within our cells that change with age. SRW's cell range line, cell 1, cell 2, and cell 3, constitute the complete cellular system range which supports the nine areas of the cell to change with age, the nine hallmarks of aging. SRW's carefully selected cutting-edge ingredients and formulations support the aging process in a way that previous generations have not had access to. Learn more about the science behind SRW, the nine hallmarks of aging, and how you can find out your biological age by going to srw.co. That's srw.co. SRW, the science of aging well. srw.co. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As usual, I'm very excited because it's our weekly Q&A with Layla. It's uh, one of my favorite times of the week. Uh, it's an opportunity to hear from you with questions and for me to do uh, a colloquy with my good colleague, uh, Layla Muden. Uh, together, we answer your questions on a weekly basis <laughs> on our podcast Q&A with Layla. And you can be part of that. We encourage you to send questions and or comments. Uh, everything is fair game. Questions at drhoffman.net. How are you doing, Layla? Okay, Dr. Hoffman. How are you? Very well, thanks. Uh, and we're getting into some nice uh, cooler fall temperatures here in New York. Uh, it's beautiful. I am liking that. Yeah. And I, and I took some really uh, pretty bike rides uh, in the country of New Jersey. Uh, mm -hmm. New Jersey, unlike, uh, you know, a lot of people are used to seeing a portrayal of New Jersey in The Sopranos. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not all uh, urban blight and uh, bleak highways, although to get to the nice parts of New Jersey, you have to sometimes traverse, uh, you know, areas that are uh, sort of industrialized. But uh, New Jersey, after all, is the Garden State, and uh, I've been spending time there, uh, enjoying the uh, cooler weather. Pretty fall, yeah. The pretty fall foliage as well. Yep, hiking and biking, and you know, it's a, it's a good time of year. So uh, we uh, have a bunch of questions to address, we but do. before we do that, let me tell you what I'm excited about. Uh, I just interviewed uh, a guy named Dr. Chris. Palmer, uh, who has written a book entitled Bring Energy. Now, I'm jumping the gun a little bit because uh, we made a proviso with him that we would interview him, but uh, we're going to hold the podcast until mid-November. So we're going to, you know, I'm sort of offering you a tease uh, because uh, we want to coincide with the actual publication of the book. I have a, a galley proof of the book and I read it and it's, it's really excellent. So, okay. So the concept here is... Uh, you know, as you know, Layla, um, mm -hmm. psychiatry is kind of a hit or miss profession because, uh, you know, there, there are two, two major paradigms. One is that um, it's about uh, stressful life experiences and, you know, something traumatic events that may have occurred childhood, 
yeah. or uh, challenging events that occur as you mature or your circumstances in life um, or that you have wrong mental attitudes. And so that's the basis for uh, psychotherapy. I mean, the whole concept started by Sigmund Freud uh, yes. and then carried on and modernized into you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. So re reframe your reality, basically, you know, yeah. like re rethink how you looking at the world. And that's a mental construct. And then in a completely different way, there, there's a sort of a, a, a biochemical model of depression. And the notion is that you know, you you may be one of these unfortunate individuals who was born with a chemical imbalance. Mm. Uh, and there's evidence of that because uh, you, there's certainly a genetic component to depression. Uh, and uh, that's also associated with susceptibility to alcohol uh, and drugs, uh, you know, yes. addictive tendencies. And and that, you know, we sometimes will see families where, well, you know, my parents were alcoholics. Uh, I don't touch alcohol at all, uh, but yeah. I just uh, I'm just depressed. You know, I and uh you know, and we say, well, you know, maybe you're biochemically predisposed. Anyway, the fix for that supposedly is drugs. Uh, the drugs, however, have a somewhat poor track record because only about 10% of people are cured with drug therapy. Yeah. Um, similarly, with psychotherapy, you know, as uh, <laughs> you mentioned the Sopranos earlier, uh, Tony Soprano went through, what, how many seasons of uh, psychotherapy? Uh, he never really got any better. <laughs> No, with Doctor Melfi, you know, but it was fun. it was fun to watch his journey. Um, but uh, you know, occasionally he came up with some insights, but uh, still, it was kind of a tortured soul. All right, so uh, the book Brain Energy uh, seeks to amalgamate uh, these uh, possibilities under a single unifying theory. And, you know, we know that in physics, for example, you know, when uh, Isaac Newton did the theory, you know, the, the principles of physics, um, that was mm -hmm. fine until we kind of got into the, the nuclear age. And then we had to come up with a whole new theory of physics that was like we call it the unified theory that was pioneered by Einstein to account for events that are, you know, very bizarre, you know, like uh, space time continuum, speed of light, uh, gravity and yes. so on and so on. So, on. so anyway, you had to completely revise that was the theory of relativity. Uh, this is an attempt in psychiatry to come up with such a theory. And what's nice about it is that it's based on the concept that it's uh, the common denominator for all brain disorders, whether it be anxiety, depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, PTSD, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's disease. The thing that they have in common, think about it, is uh, defects in brain energy. And huh. it all boils down to the mitochondria. And so, yes. and, and, and so what messes up your mitochondria? Well, uh, a lot of things uh, because yes. we, we actually I mean we even have studies that show that air pollution increases your risk for uh, depression and anxiety yes and uh, and alcohol for sure has been called a mitochondrial poison yes by Dr. Joseph Pizzorno who's like the master detox doctor of late yes, precisely yeah. and we know that uh, you know alcohol is both a, a self-medication for people with depression, but it yeah. also worsens depression. And then there's, then there's the, the host of uh, uh, people, especially young people who are self-medicating with uh, marijuana. Well, that's not the way to go either because marijuana ultimately has a, an adverse effect on mitochondrial function and brain energy, although yeah. it, it may deliver a temporary high. Uh, negative effects, ultimately shrinkage of gray matter and so on and so on. Um, 
And then there's the stress component. Well, how do you account for, you know, stress having an effect on the mitochondria? It does. Stressful events Mm -hmm. uh, can downregulate parts of the brain. And that's been demonstrated with neuroimaging. Anyway, the book is very uh, uh, thick and full of references. It's uh, accessible but scholarly. And uh, I think that uh, look for this guy, uh, Dr. Chris Palmer. Uh, I think he's going to make a big splash. He's already uh, attracted a lot of following on social media. He's gotten accolades from uh, Dr. David Perlmutter. And, uh, you know, Dr. Eric Westman, who, you know, we've interviewed mm-hmm. on the program, uh, because, oh, here's the other thing. W- what, what diet does he recommend for brain energy? Yes. Not only low carb, but a keto diet. Ah. He is considered the keto psychiatrist. Now you may Fantastic. say, you may say, who, who is this guy? You know, did he graduate from, you know, University of South Dakota? Not to offend our listeners in South Dakota. He's actually a Harvard. Uh, uh, associate professor, and uh, he he practices at one of the most prestigious uh, psychiatric hospitals in the United States, in uh, the McLean Hospital in Ma- in Massachusetts. So uh, he's, um, I think, uh, uh, an up and coming guy in psychiatric thought. And uh, you know, he while I got to say he's not big on vitamins and supplements, and uh-huh. I think that that's one of the weaknesses of the book is that he kind of gives short shrift to. Uh, the impact of supplements on the brain. And essentially, his argument is that if your brain is broken, uh, you need more than just, you know, uh, uh, you know, N-acetylcysteine or alpha-lipoic acid or, or mm-hmm. coenzyme Q10. And I agree with him, you know, but um, I think he, he undersells the potential for uh, nutrition. Uh, I mean, he's big in nutrition. He's big in a diet. He's big. But, he's but, he's basically diet focused. Is that yes. what you mean? Yeah, I yeah. see. He's saying do you know do do it with food. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, well, here's the thing. Okay, we could we could almost. I'm looking forward to this podcast. You say it's going to be in November. Yeah, we're going to hold it until November. I recorded it already this month. Uh, okay, but uh, it's going to we're going to uh, drop it in November, and. Uh, you know, usually we just record a podcast and then, you know, within a couple of days it, it, it uh, posts. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, for example, like this one, you know, we're doing it today. It'll probably post tomorrow. Right. But, uh, so, you know, I'm jumping the gun a little bit by talking about it, but I'm excited about it. And uh, I'm excited about it, too. May I comment sure, on please, what you said please. about this so far is if he's only concentrating on diet, not so much supplements, I would also suggest that he and everybody else listening Think about nutritional deficiencies. Sometimes yeah. it's not enough. It's not enough to eat your way to that. Yes. You know, you need a supplement. Well, if you're low in B vitamins, if you're low in B12, if you're low in magnesium, if you're low in vitamin D, you're really not going to get much vitamin D unless you're going to eat five pounds of salmon every day. Absolutely. And two pounds of shiitake mushrooms. You know what I mean? And how many? How many? Perhaps millions of people suffer from depression because of. And I'll. Bench just two simple vitamins, not even yes. like, you know, very esoteric things like, uh, you know, NAD or, or you know, uh, coenzyme Q10. Yeah. Things like, but iron and B12. Oh. Just iron and B12. Uh, so many people are B12 deficient or insufficient. And yes. that's affecting their brain function. And then there's so many, especially women who mm-hmm. have low iron. Uh, and they're just down in the dumps and they, they can't figure out why. Yeah. And, and they basically a- adapted 
to being anemic, but, but, you know, not only is, is like an iron deficiency anemia, uh, it's, it's not a matter of just you're winded going up a flight of stairs where you didn't used to be, but you're low, you're fatigued. And when we're fatigued, that rubs off on our mental health. Well, absolutely. And it's, again, it's being blue. the title of the book, uh, with great title, Brain Energy. And yeah. Anything that is, uh, impedes brain energy, uh, can cause any number of mental disorders. You may say, uh, that there's a paradox, uh, Layla, because uh, when we talk about brain energy, there's some conditions where we seem to have excess brain energy, like attention deficit disorder, hyperactivity. Uh, we have uh, mm. bipolar disorder where people are manic. That seems like excess energy, right? So, but uh, yeah. Dr. Palmer explains it as this is a dysregulation of the mitochondria. When the mitochondria aren't working ah. well, they have more of a function than just supplying energy. They also have a regulatory function in the brain. And so you may see an imbalance between parts of the brain where you might have, say, um, a, a hyperactive uh, amygdala, which is causing fear and phobias and anxiety because it's not properly constrained by properly functioning uh, mitochondria. Uh, so it's, it's, wow. it, it's not like... The brain is a dimmer switch where, oh, you know, if it's low, you're, you're tired and depressed. And if it's high, you're anxious, um, you know, and, and, you know, taking too much uh, energy supporting supplements can make you manic. No, that's not how that's it's oversimplistic to look at it that way. Anyway, um, yeah. so so uh, look forward to that, that podcast. Stuff. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll bring the book in uh, to the office and I'll loan it to you. Uh, but I'm still I'm writing yeah. a book review, so I, I'm going to hold on to it for a while. Mm -hmm. But when I'm done, I'll share it with you. Um, folks, before we take questions, uh, here's a good point at which to pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share a vital message with you. So here goes. As a listener to Intelligent Medicine, you know that fish oil provides the vital omega-3s, EPA, and DHA that support your cardiovascular, brain, nerve, vision, immune system, joint, and skin health, as well as your inflammatory balance. My preferred fish oil brand is Vital Nutrients, offering a line of 11 ultra-pure omega-3 solutions, including soft gels, liquid, and enteric-coated options in a variety of potencies. Vital Nutrients even offers a high-performance and nutrient-dense vegan omega supplement option. Vital Nutrients line of ultra-pure omega-3 solutions are held to the most rigorous quality standards in the industry, ensuring maximum freshness, purity, and potency. I use Vital Nutrients myself and recommend it to my patients. For more information and to order, call 888-328-9992. That's 888-328-9992. Or go to vitalnutrients.co. That's vitalnutrients.co for the Vital Nutrients line of Ultra Pure Omega-3 Solutions. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now, back to Layla with our questions. Questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. Dr. Hoffman, I'd actually like to start. We've got a beautiful email from Helen, who's a longtime listener and fan, like 40 years. Dear Dr. Hoffman, I can't tell you how thankful I am as one who reads your writings you still listen to your WOR radio show and still hears your podcast interviews. Beyond that, my doctor 
for many years is your protege. Oh, and get wild. this, your protege is named Jeffrey Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Is um, that cousin? <laughs> Do you have a younger brother? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, maybe anyway. uh, he, maybe he's yeah. a, a, well, a lost offspring, you know, that, uh, I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Kel, uh, Helen says about this Dr. Hoffman, a decent, caring practitioner who's been very helpful to me. And in these times of excoriation, of alternative, integrative medicine coming from the poorly trained U.S. doctors and establishment flunkies plus pharmaceutical peddlers, you stand out for your integrity, depth, persistence, and intelligence. This is just a shout out to you and the work you do. I believe America needs to be grateful for your brilliant contribution to the profession Thank you, Dr. Hoffman. That is very lovely it's and lovely. very gratifying yeah. uh, to hear that. But I'll, I'll share something that I, I know you don't go on Twitter because uh, you're safeguarding your mental health by not uh, oh participating there. But I do uh, <laughs> because I'm active on social media. And I'll, I'll share this this one I, I've really enjoyed. Uh, it's a comment from one of our uh, followers on Twitter um, mm-hmm. whose name is Lee. And Lee writes... I am surprised your posts do not get more shares. You post the most accurate information on health I have seen on social media. And, you know, I, I think that's a good point because uh, one of the ungratifying things about Twitter is that uh, you'll see somebody who posts something really dumb and, you know, they'll get like 20,000 likes, you know, like something, yeah. you know, Captain Obvious. But that's because they have a big social following and, you know, sometimes that's organic and sometimes that's actually, uh, you know, trumped up. You know, it's not actually even real. It's they've just sort of created that through sleight of hand and manipulation of social media. And then there are people who have tremendous merit and make very clever responses. And we see like seven likes, you know, and they have... Mm you know, a, a couple of thousand followers, uh, as opposed to the people like, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, Kim Kardashian, who has like 40 million followers and, you know, everybody's hanging right. on her precious pronouncements. So, um, you know, it. thank you, Lee, for saying that. But, you know, as in life, uh, social media is sometimes a reverse merit system, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's uh, That's true. It, you know, it, or, or one of, of suppression and censorship. Ah. That too, I, because <laughs> I, there's no question. I, I mean, whenever we put up something yeah. that's controversial, it, it's sometimes tagged as misinformation, uh, disinformation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think some of our uh, stream is slow walked. Because we do comment on controversial subjects like masking and the vaccine and, you know, lockdowns. And that's kind of the hot button issue for social media censorship. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's so deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe we're living in this day and age, but here we are. Okay. Yeah. I know. I just. Well. I mean, having gone through. uh, uh, I'm a little older than you. I went through the 60s and 70s, which is an era of great. Uh, conflict, you know, people were literally students were, were bashing each other over the head on campuses and people were, were rioting. I mean, there were riots and, and, you know, civil rights riots and there were riots, you know, against the Vietnam War. Literally, people were, were burning buildings and smashing windows and, you know, street fighting was going on. But I have to say that um, with my perspective of, of many years, uh, 
it's it's feeling a lot like that the divisiveness and the and what's uh i think making it worse is the pervasiveness of media and the complicity of media in shaping the yes. narrative and uh, you, uh sometimes squashing unpopular narratives and um yeah it, it, it it's, it's a ministry of truth it's disheartening yeah mm-hmm. anyway yeah. Um, I've heard it said that that, that Goebbels would be jealous <laughs> well, I, of how beautifully the propaganda is being rolled out today. Yeah. Well, two things. That's I mean, really if if the Nazis had had our current social media, I mean, all they had in those days was print and radio. They they didn't yeah. have like devices in everybody's hands uh, or the technology that you know they could have cameras everywhere to observe everything that people were doing um, that uh, they would have had a field day. Uh, and in addition, the other tool that they didn't have is uh, uh, the genetic testing that we have. And, you know, you can go to ancestry.com and you can find out what percentage Jewish you are, for example, or what percentage yeah. uh, African-American you are or what percentage uh, Latino you are. And, what a dangerous that tool that would be in the hands of someone like uh, a Hitler, you know, who believed in racial, racial purity. Very yeah. scary. Well, speaking of wrong hands, I hear that China is collecting a lot of that data. Yep. And, and that, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that is a very, very scary prospect is that uh, for social control purposes, uh, for, you know, surveillance, regimentation, um, it, it, this technology coupled with an authoritarian regime is very dangerous. And, very, and, and we are, yes. you know, we can, we can point to them, but we're very susceptible to that. We have to really be careful. Okay, Layla, so uh, let's get back on track with questions. What's next? We've got a question from Alice. Dear Dr. Hoffman and Layla, thank you as always for your Wonderful assistance to your listeners. I'm hoping you can lend me some guidance regarding knee replacement surgery. I've received orthovisc injections in my knees for bone on bone for about six years now. In the beginning, it did work, work great, but not so much anymore. I take supplements for pain and support. I have acupuncture on my knees, my body. I get chiropractic adjustments. I ice my knees. I take Epsom salt baths. I'm in most pain at night, especially if I walk too much, which is not much at all. Did this person specify how old they are, by the way? Um, no. Okay. No, but I believe they're in their 60s. Okay. Some days I feel less pain, but I'm never pain-free. Now, I'm considering knee replacement surgery, but I'm not happy about this option because I don't like the idea of a surgery where there's no turning back if it doesn't work out. I don't mm-hmm. want metals and plastic in my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like having to take antibiotics every time I go for, for a dental cleaning, which I do every three months. And I'm concerned over infections and in the joint replacement from the surgery or from subsequent unrelated infections. Any guidance here? I yep. really don't know what to do. You know, I, I have to say that uh, uh, those are, are real prospects, and especially in the past. And, uh, you know, one of the problems was that uh, uh, they didn't have enough options, especially for women. The The knee replacements were designed like one size fits all. And women have different knees and different uh, uh, geometry than men. Uh, yeah. But they've worked that out. 
And they've also worked out, I think, the issue of uh, hypersensitivity to the materials, which is, like, frankly, it's a foreign body in, in your body. It's an implant. And, and that can be a concern. But I got to say this. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I went through my 60s. I'm now in my next, you know, my next decade of life. Uh, mm-hmm. And going through your 60s, which is a young age, with a terrible limitation and debility and pain is no way to go. And that is going to have more adverse health consequences on you than the slight risk that you may incur with a joint replacement. And uh, I just had a conversation with our uh, receptionist, uh, who you know well. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to mm-hmm. out her, um, Layla. But yeah. um, uh, her husband is um, a retired UPS guy who had a lot of wear and tear on his joints. You know, he was lifting and carrying and, you know, climbing. And uh, he had to have a a knee replacement. And then he had subsequently another knee replacement. And then he had a hip replacement. And now he's considering having... Now he's bionic. Now he's going to have his his other hip done. And he is... He's the $6 billion man. And he's performing at a high level. He's he's a relatively young guy. He's in his sixties, I believe, and uh, he's yeah. he's retired. He's enjoying life. Uh, yes. He is bowling uh, at a level that I could never aspire to. And I was going, these these the joint replacements don't affect him. He's like, no, he's he's routinely bowling two hundred plus uh, in the wow. bowling league, and um, he's. Um, it, it, it's been a boon to his, his well-being. Now, the alternative would be if he just said, you know, I'm afraid to have the surgery. Uh, I'm just going to sit home. You know, I'll just watch a lot of, you know, TV. And uh, he would have, you know, become uh, overweight and out of shape and uh, subject to cardiovascular risk and, and subject to depression, frankly, which is a big sure. cardiovascular risk. Um, and. I, I think that the net benefits outweigh the the downsides. And so when I see patients, in a, you know, pretty holistic patients, they tend to be very cherry of high-tech conventional interventions, and rightly so. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when it comes to that, I encourage them to have the therapy, uh, to have the replacement, mm-hmm. and to get a whole new lease on life. And the vast majority of them, they say, thank you, thank you, Dr. Hoffman, for overcoming my my fear over this. But I also help them through it. I tell them that it's very important before the surgery to have prehab, to strengthen yourself and to do certain exercises so that you're more likely to respond well to the surgery. Uh, Afterwards, really follow up on the physical therapy, which is designed to uh, strengthen you because it's not just about a mechanical device they put in your knee. It's also about how you utilize it. Uh, yes. And also, you know, there are certain supplements for surgery that will increase the likelihood of success with surgery. Yes. And getting adequate protein for the repair. That too. Absolutely. Of Diet the, of matters. the trauma of surgery. Yeah. yeah. But even, you know, even the worst case scenario, people who don't know from this, uh, they do well. You know, uh, they don't take any supplements. They don't follow any specific diets. Uh, they still get a whole new lease on life with the surgery. So, um I think it's a, it's a high-tech wonder, and uh, yes, it's artificial, but, uh, you know, because of modern advances, uh, we've enabled people to live longer than their joints. <laughs> you know, we outlive our joints. And yeah. uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, uh, we didn't really live, need to live much longer than our reproductive age. You know, we could live to like, True. you know, 40 or 50, and then, you know, when... 
in 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 prehistoric life, you know, if you couldn't keep up with the tribe, they would say, um, "I'm sorry, you can't keep up with us." Uh, you know, it's been so nice we're knowing you. Behind. Yeah, it's like take <laughs> take a walk into the woods, you know, and uh, walk into the woods. Some predator will get you. Yeah, that'll be that. That and that we that'll you know so much for that because you know you've you've had your offspring and uh, you know now you become a burden to the tribe. Yes, yeah. you're at the end of your usefulness. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> how did we get on? To- <laughs> I, I know, but it it we, this, this is we're in a different. Is this because of your recent birthday? <laughs> I, yes, it's been sort of an epiphany, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to not walk into the woods, you know, and uh, cover myself yeah. up with leaves. Yeah, and, uh, at least forty more years until you walk into the woods, Doctor. Well, that's very kind. Thank you. All right, so <laughs> so much for uh, life reflections, but yeah, you know, I would encourage you to to do it. Uh, let's uh, pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. Layla, give us a preview of what we're going to talk about in part two. Oh yeah. Any chance you will semi-retire to your respective homes on the east end of Long Island and open a small practice, mm-hmm. maybe just a couple of days a week? Mm-hmm. I would love that, says Caroline. Uh, that's a very uh, – we're sort of continuing on that theme, aren't we? Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's address that in part two. Uh, I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla. And we'll be right back with more questions at drhoffman.net is the destination for your inquiries.